Okay, grab your Bibles, go over to Romans chapter 8. If you're new to the Bible, Romans is in the back third of your Bible. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then you have the book of Acts, and then you have Romans right in there. We said last week, in all the world of all the books ever written, the greatest book in the world is the book of the Bible. And in the Bible, the greatest letter in all of the Bible is the letter to the church at Rome. And the greatest chapter in all of Romans is chapter eight. And so we are tapping the brakes for the next four weeks, and we're gonna be um, really shifting and slowing things down in it because it's that powerful. Last week, we had one slogan, and I'm counting on you to help me. It was this, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. We learned last week that the penalty of sin has been forever broken as well as the, uh, uh, the power of sin in our lives. And so the, now that has freed the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of you and me, and we get to experience this life that Christ intended us to live. And so what we're gonna see this morning is when that gets a hold of you, it shifts something inside of you. It shifts, you are fundamentally go, uh, you, you take on this new identity and you take on a new agenda. We call this kind of around here, you get to be a kid in God's kingdom. You get to be a kid in your father's kingdom and everything that's on God's agenda suddenly shows up on your plate. We call that kind of an outward facing life where me and you get to open our eyes into the kingdom of what God has in store. And so that's what we're gonna be diving into this morning. So I'm gonna invite you to stand as we say the Shema together and we're gonna get after it. So let's say the Shema together and prepare our hearts to receive God's words. Shema. Amen. And so God, we offer ourselves right back to you this morning, God. We believe that we can hear your voice. We believe that you have things in store for us. So through the power of the Holy Spirit, God, would you open our ears and our hearts to what's on your agenda? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please grab a seat. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 12. I'm going to read it. Here we go. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have no obligation We have an obligation, but not to this flesh anymore, to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, but if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of this body, you will live. And so we learn that now because of the resurrection power, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And the enemy only speaks one voice to you. And that is condemnation. It is, condemnation is a building term. It means unfit, inhospitable, um, uh, un useful. And when the enemy loves to come and whisper in his native tongue, just who do you think you are? You've blown it. You're no good. You're unfit for a living. You know what the problem with you is? You, you are the problem with you. And we learned last week that the only response that we say, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, because now this Holy Spirit has taken up residency inside of us. And what Paul is going to show us next is nothing short of astonishing. It is probably some of the most powerful images in all of the scripture. Whenever we talk about who God is, what we're trying to do is we're trying to attach like skin around something that's indescribable. And so we have lots of different words like king, um, redeemer, savior, um, to help us kind of get handles on just who this God is. And what Paul is gonna show us right here is, when you think about God, I want you to think about, about him 
in one primary way. One image above all images needs to stand out to you. And so let's look at what that says. Verse 14 says this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive doesn't make you slaves so that you live in fear again. The Spirit you receive brought you into this adopted sonship. The identity that you now hold your kid. And God is your father. He has adopted you in. None of us chose this thing. He actually chose us. He handpicked us. He crafted us and he created us as his masterpiece and says, that one belongs to me. And if you know anyone that has ever adopted somebody before, dude, it's crazy expensive. It's insanely costly. And it was for God too. He paid the highest price for your adoption and it cost him everything. It cost him his own son. And listen to what it says. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's kids. You know what the, the primary responsibility of the Holy Spirit is? To remind you of this to remind you that you are God's kids. That's the primary responsibility of the Holy Spirit, to remind you that you belong to him. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering so that we may also share in his glory. That word Abba there is not the name of an 80s band, if you will, but it actually is this beautiful imagery that Paul uses to describe the relationship between us and God. It's the difference between um, father and dad. My girls don't call me father around the house. They call me daddy. My oldest one, uh, she doesn't really even get off the sofa anymore when I, when I walk in, but my little one, she gets up and she runs with her arms wide open. And this is that picture of worship. Daddy, just come get me, daddy's home. And she runs to me and she jug, jumps in my arms and she says, daddy, it's that same picture for you and I. This is the relationship of intimacy that we get to enjoy with God now, that we are his children and we get to be, call him daddy. Daddy, come get me. What a beautiful picture. And it says that if we are heirs with Christ, co-heirs with Christ, that means that we have an inheritance, that everything that belongs to the father, our father, will be passed down to us as children that there's an inheritance that you and I now receive. Or another way for us to think about that is on what's on God's agenda shows up on your dinner plate. So what's on his heart becomes in your mind, on your feet, the way that you walk out your journey. And you, this community, does it in amazing ways. This is a community punches way out of its weight class. You are remarkable. When it comes to living an outward facing life, to turning our lives um, to living as sons and daughters, you do it in amazing ways, ways that, I mean, are unspeakable. And so I wanna show you just a couple of little glimpses of the ways that people in this community do that. Let's go ahead and watch this.
Thanks, man. That's it. That's it. That's it. Hey Suzy, we passed that down. Just one down there. So it's, it's, it's pretty powerful when you let that identity shift who, how you see yourself and you begin to live as sons and daughters. You get to experience God's kingdom. And so I've invited a few of my friends up here this morning to share a little bit about what that looks like when it knocks on your front door. And so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves and tell us about the ministry that you're involved with. Hi, I'm Susie Viberald and I'm with Room Reader. Here, let me see this. Is this on? Yeah, here you go. Can you not hear me? There you oh, go. Okay. There, hi. Hi, I'm Susie, and I'm with Room Redux. We transform the rooms of children who have faced sexual and physical abuse. We do it anonymously. We do it in one day. So we get in with volunteers um, with a new bed, new furniture, new decor, and uh, we get in when the child leaves for school or children, and then we split before they get home. They get home to a brand new room, and they realize there are people in the world that care about them, that love them, who don't know them, and expect nothing from them. Powerful ministry. I was telling them earlier, they're like, sneaky Jesus, just get in there and get right back out. It's really a beautiful ministry. Go ahead. <laughs> sneaky Jesus. I love that. Um, hey, I'm Jason. I'm the student pastor here at Riverside Community Church, uh, I'm representing the Honduras mission trip uh, this upcoming summer, but also just inviting students to live their lives on mission in any way possible. And I'm Tamara Ramirez, and I'm with Hill Country Hope for Mental Health. Um, we are a collaboration of, like, professionals and school leaders and um, pastors and um, people interested about in bringing um, awareness and advocacy um, for mental health, specifically in western Como County. Yeah. And I'm Lisa Velasquez, the coordinator for Young Lives. We serve and mentor um, teen moms ages 13 through 21 um, in the Smithson Valley schools. And just most recently, I started meeting with the uh, Canyon Lake high, uh, high School counselors. So they're also interested in young lives. Powerful stuff. These, this is an amazing panel. I can't wait for you to hear a little bit of their story. So why do you do what you do? Like, why is this personally so important to you? Can you share with us maybe a little story about that? 
So the statistics are one in four girls, one in six boys are sexually abused before the age of 18. And that's staggering. And that's right here. That's in Texas. That's in our community. So that's something that's in, you know we need to face, we need to be aware of. Um, and so personally, I... I just think that it's important to, like I said, let them, let these children know that people care about them and that their lives can be transformed and that they can gain some confidence and some self-worth through these room transformations. uh, She was sharing at the first service, oftentimes this abuse can happen in their bedroom. And imagine what that looks like going home to a bedroom where this abuse happened and talk about that. Right. So we get our referrals from counselors, psychologists, CPS caseworkers, because we have to know, we want to know that the child or the children are in counseling. They have to get that crucial part of the healing puzzle. But then they're very often going back to the same room where abuse occurred, maybe that same bed. Uh, Maybe there are triggers. And like I said, even if if it didn't happen in that room, maybe it happened at a hotel or in a car, um, they still deserve to know that um, they're worthy and they need a fresh start. That's their their place to feel safe, you know. And here's your alley-oop. Anything big happening for y'all's ministry these days? Oh, well, okay. let me tell you, John and congregation. So we were featured in The Skim, which is an online news source. You get it in your inbox, and it goes everywhere. And I woke up on August 22nd to 500 emails and $1,500 in donations. Yeah. Um, and people all over the world interested in Room Redux wanting to volunteer, wanting to donate. We rely solely on donations, and it takes about $2,000 to fully transform a room, especially yeah. if there are several children in there. So currently, we are starting, we were under Cory Kingdom Development, our heart. We love them so much. They helped us. They were the mama hen, yeah. and we, yeah. we've been kicked out of the nest. <laughs> and uh, now there's Room Redux California, Denver, Minnesota, Austin, New York. Uh, I've spoken with people in Zurich, Switzerland, Canada, Cameroon, Kenya, who all want to be Room Redux. Unbelievable. Super fun stuff, right? And here, and right here is Global Headquarters. This is the Global Headquarters in Boverde. <laughs> it's awesome. All right. Jason, what about you? Why do you think this is, why does this matter personally to you? Yeah, yeah. So I said it last service. I'll say it again. I didn't realize I was sitting next to a celebrity, right? So. <laughs> Uh, thanks for the layup on my end too, right? Um, so uh, yeah, for me, um, I, I was in the cooking industry for a while, and, and one thing that we used to always say is, man, we wish that everybody had the opportunity to uh, be a waiter for a day, or a waitress for a day, or cook for a day. If you've been in food industry, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I wish that everybody could experience missions for a week. I uh, I, I think part of the church, part of being on, on mission for God and, and, and living the life that John was talking about earlier from Romans 8 is you have to have that moment where you, where you um, look beyond yourself and look to others. But for me personally, uh, it was I was 16 years old and I was invited to go on a mission trip to uh, Juarez, Mexico actually. And uh, we built homes there and um, it wasn't something that I necessarily wanted to do. I don't know if I uh, want to go build homes for the rest of my life. But uh, we built a home for, for a guy by the name of Hector um, and his wife, who were expecting uh, their first child in a couple months, and they didn't have a stable home. They didn't have an actual home. And for me, as a 16-year-old uh, boy, I was able to look at this and say, I am tangibly, tangibly bringing God's kingdom to earth just a little bit in a small way uh, by helping this family out. And uh, I'm 
twice as old now, is that? Give or take, uh, about <laughs> that. And I still remember the guy's name. And I still remember uh, mixing the cement with him and enjoying that. And I think that that's God's kingdom is, is relationships, right? And doing it one person at a time. The, the, the greatest investment that we can make is in another person, in another human being. And, and that's what we have the opportunity to do in, in Honduras. And, and why I like Honduras specifically uh, was when we were out there, we had a great team that went out there to check it out. Um, they said to us, hey, we want to build disciples. We want to invest in people, um, and then we're going to plant a church. And so often it's the opposite of what you see in, in, in other places around the world is, hey, let's figure out a location, let's plant a church there, and then let's find a bunch of people to show up and make it a church, right? But they're saying, no, the people are the church. We know that. And so we want to invest in the people and then, yeah, if we can find a building, if we can find a place to do that, that'd be great. But we really want to disciple. Yeah. And that just gets at the heart of Riverside. And so yeah. I love that. They're great. Yeah. And Tamara, what about you? Why is this so personal to you? Um, I was raised in a home of generational, um, generationally, we struggle with mental health. Um, previous generations, you know, use substance, misuse substances to cope. And thankfully, in our generation, we're beginning to use some more um, healthy ways of coping. But for me, I really believed as a young mom that if I tried hard enough, if I prayed hard enough, if I was good enough, that my children wouldn't experience the same thing with mental illness. Um, but that wasn't true. Um, one of my daughters lives with mental illness. And um, if you have mental illness or you're a loved one, uh, somebody with mental illness, it's incredibly painful. It's isolating. It is, um, it's a form of suffering, and um, oftentimes the church doesn't know what to do with that. And so my heart behind this ministry is to not only connect the church with mental health and understanding it better, but also to bring resources to our area. I don't know if you all know this, but especially when we started the journey about five years ago, there were not any resources out here. There were no support groups. There were no um, psychiatrists. There were very few um, counselors. Now that is changing now. Um, but we are here to help people find those resources so that they know they're not alone. Yeah. And to take the stigma off of it too, where so often we think if you have a broken leg, you go to the hospital but what do you do with somebody that's struggling with mental illness? We don't have a, we, we're ill-equipped to deal with that. So powerful stuff. Okay, why is this so personal? Um, Young Lives tries to, or not tries, we do, um, try to help these teen moms to be um, successful, successful moms. Everybody has had a baby at different ages, and these moms um, just need an extra bit of push and care. Um, I have one girl that um, she dealt with postpartum depression pretty badly. She didn't want to touch her child. She didn't want to be with her child, hold her child, anything. We've worked with her for the last three months, and last week she told me she wanted to mom. Yeah. And so we're helping her through that. Um, she also works with a mentor as well. Um, I have another girl that um, escaped a trafficking ring uh, here in Texas, and we've been working with her for three months. I have continuously tried to tell her I love her every single time. Um, a couple of weeks ago when I was going to the, uh, the women's retreat for here, I did uh, text her and ask her how she was doing, and she told me she was in the car. Um, she was driving back. So knowing in my mind that 
good possibility that she's going back to this. Um, I just told her I love her. I told her that I never wanted her to think that I wasn't praying for her. Sorry. And 10 minutes later, she texted me back and she said, thank you. I love you. It was the first time she'd ever told me I love you back. That's why I'm in it, for those seeds, to give her the gospel, to tell her that someone else loves her. Um, last week, I did hear from a uh, coordinator, another coordinator from Young Lives in Texas. Uh, they called to report to me that she is attending there as well. Yeah. So she is with a Young Lives group, and she is still receiving the gospel, and she will go forth from here. How about that? I mean, unbelievable to think about, about how hard, can you imagine just how hard it is to be a teen mom these days and then to think about how oftentimes they're put on the outside or they carry this sign over their head, what we've talked about of condemnation, to have that one down there just loving her, just loving her. That's powerful stuff. I believe that on the on the other side of every story that you've heard up there, there's a first step. And that first step is you got to step through fear. It's what we read in the scripture. It says you, the spirit has not given you the spirit of fear. And how oftentimes the greatest um, leaps of faith and that we take, first we have to deal with the fear. And so what was that for you guys? What were you nervous about? What was holding you back? What were you afraid of in order for you to put your yes on the table? I got fired. <laughs> My son calls me Buddy the Elf, but it was the best thing ever that I got fired from where I was working yeah. um, at an advocacy center. But it was great because Room Relax gets to thrive. But there was a period of time when, uh, for about four days, I thought, what are we going to do if I'm not working and I'm going to start this nonprofit where, you know, I may or may not ever get a paycheck. <laughs> so... Yeah. Fear was involved with that. Um, while I have my phone and right here, I want y'all to hear the, the other side of the fear, though. I want you to hear, uh, very oftentimes families will send me pictures after the room transformations of the children, or they'll send me videos, and they're confidential, can't show you, but uh, I get to see, and I want you to hear squeals of delight. So you have to cover your ears because it's super loud, but... jumping up and down and the screams and it's it's every single time and so any fear that I have or had that this is going to work or that God isn't going to move in this squelched he's got it beautiful yeah. thank you Jason how about for you thanks uh yeah I think for me uh I don't have any squeals for you guys I'm sorry <laughs> I could I could do it no yeah, yeah yeah there you go okay okay um, yeah, I think for me, it's the fear of the unknown, right? Um, it's the fear of the unknown uh, that so many of us have to step into. For, for me personally, it was just, I had never been to Honduras before. Um, most of the mission trips that I've been on were, were Haiti um, or Mexico. 
And so this was an unknown for me. Um, plus, everybody uh, that I was going to scout it out and check it out on hadn't been there before. And so oftentimes, uh, when, when you're left with that, you're kind of left with all these questions of what's going to happen when I get there. I never met these people before. What does Google say about this? And like, you don't want to trust Google on things, right? Um, so for me, it, it was just that moment until getting on the plane and saying, OK, God, like this, we kind of feel confident that this is where you're calling us, so we're just going to have to take that step and see what happens. Um, checking through customs and wondering what that first moment is going to be like. Um, but, but God, in, in, in his way that he promises that his spirit will be with us wherever we go, brings that peace with us, already working ahead of us. And uh, Sparrow Missions is just a phenomenal group. The group that we partner with out there um, helps with some of that fear of, of that unknown because they've got everything figured out. They've done it a thousand times. It's, it's, a, it's an unknown for us, but so often... Uh, what we find is is in the unknown, somebody has done that before, and, and God is always with us in the unknown, and that's an opportunity for us to trust him in it. Beautiful. Thank you. Tamara? Um, I think my my was pretty personal. Um, you often think, uh, I think of the scripture where, um, I, th I don't know if it was the disciples, but uh, they came upon a blind man, and somebody asked who sinned, him or his parents? And I think that that's, kind of the feeling we have when we live with mental illness, as I, I also live with depression, or that we have a family member of our child. I mean, for decades, we blame the parents, right? And so for me, very vulnerably, to come out and to um, be a part of this ministry, I have to be vulnerable with not only my reality, but my daughter's reality and my family, extended family's reality. And so I think that's the biggest thing I yeah. had to overcome is that sense of vulnerability. But I think what um, Jason talked about earlier with the idea that most missions is really built on relationship. And so for any of us, for any of these things that we're doing, whether we're dealing with language barriers or just not understanding what somebody else is going through, it's that idea of being vulnerable for the hope, for the sake of relationship. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. So all my girls live in fear, um, shame, um, their boyfriends are not in the picture anymore. Um, thankfully, we have a couple of girls that do have their boyfriends still. Um, family, they may live with their family, but they don't get the support from their family. Um, more so fear that I dealt with was, am I going to be enough for these girls? Um, and I had a real conversation with God, telling him that I didn't want to do it. What was I getting into? Especially when I met my trafficked girl, I didn't sign up for this, and I reminded God that I could just stop it right now. I could go back to everything the way it was, go back to my family, take my kids to school, make lunches, dinners, and then he reminded me, yeah, those girls go back too. They'll go back to their lives too. So I kind of had to sit back, lay on the ground, and say, okay, I trust you. And I have to repeat it to myself all the time. I trust you. And because of that trust, and I believe just opening myself up, the fear has left. I don't worry about it at all anymore. And we've grown. And the girls are thriving. Yeah, Beautiful. Okay, so here's your one shot. If people want to connect with you in your ministry, how would they go about doing that? Come talk to me. Yeah. We have a table out there. You can come talk to us. You can go to roomredux.org. And like I said earlier, it is redux. A lot of people want to Frenchify it, make it redo. So we never <laughs> say the word redo. We say yeah. transform. 
but it's R-O-O-M-R-E-D-U-X.org. You can find us on Facebook. Please like us, share us. That is really, I mean, it, it's a great way to spread the word. God uses everything, and he uses Facebook. And, yeah. you know, it, it spreads the word everywhere. So please like us and share us. And we're on Instagram also. And we would love to have you. We're always looking for volunteers, recurring donors, uh, give us furniture, all those kinds of yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. Jason, how about if people want some more information about Honduras? Yeah, yeah. So uh, same here. So come see me. That would be the best thing. If you're a parent of uh, freshmen or above, come see me. I'd love to talk to you about it. And I think we also have an adult group that would be going as well. So adults in the room, um, medical dental trip uh, that would be happening in the spring. We'd love for you to be a part of that as well. Uh, so come talk to me. Come to to John, Michelle Woodman, if you don't know Michelle Woodman, she's our uh, local global outreach director. She does so much for us here and uh, got a website set up for us. So if uh, you don't want to talk to me, I'm not offended. That's okay. <laughs> um, go to Connect to Riverside um, and then go to our missions page and there's a way to apply on there and that'll just let me know that you're interested and we can continue to have a conversation about it. Awesome. Um, I also, you can come and see me, but um, I think one of the things that's different about what we're doing is there's not a lot of doing involved. Really, the church, I get, the statistically, 25% of people go when they experience a mental health crisis in their lives or in their family members' lives, come to the church, which is higher than any other demographic. So they go, they, they come to the church before they'll go to a doctor, before they go to a counselor, before they'll go to anybody that come to the church. And only 10% of those people get referred to professionals. Mm -hmm. So it really it's about educating yourself. So twice a year we'll offer educational opportunities for people. But also it's about, we want to encourage you to tell your story. One in five people live with mental illness at some point in their lives. So that means every one of us in this room is impacted by mental illness. Yeah. So the more we tell our stories, the more we're honest about it, the more the Lord can... It becomes less of a secret, and the Lord can heal it. Yeah. And we can begin as the church to be the church. I know that can be scary, so I did um, on our table. I have resources for our website that has all kinds of resources on referral places in western Como County. But also I have a little sheet that says the do's and don'ts if you get with somebody that's <laughs> living with mental illness. Because yeah. it's like grieving. It's a form of suffering. Yeah. And we don't know what to say, and we want to do and doing is not going to be helping. It's being present. It's being in relationship and reminding people who they are in the journey. Thank you. Thank you. I am also out there at a table. <laughs> um, we are on Instagram and on Facebook at West Comal, C-O, Co, uh, Young Lives. You can like us there, friend us. Um, I have pictures of the girls. I have stories of the girls. Every time we meet, we take some type of picture. Um, baby items, if you've got baby items just laying around, um, let me know. That way we can um, get some of these mamas some, some stuff that they need. We take the girls twice to camp. Uh, this, week, this next weekend, we'll be taking them for a weekend, and then in June for a week. It is a cabin-style bunk beds and <laughs> playpens everywhere. <laughs> so uh, the girls do get to hear the gospel there and be you know, a teenager without worrying about too much. Um, and we'll need sponsorship if you guys really think about it and uh, want to contribute that way. So here's what I want you to see today. These aren't, I don't want to mean to sound like a jerk, but these are not special people. <laughs> They're people that have said yes. 
They're just like you and they're just like me. They're people that have let this adoption get a hold of them to where they see themselves as sons and daughters. And when you see yourselves as sons and daughters, do you know what happens? Unbelievable stuff. You get to live an outward facing like a life and participate in God's kingdom. And so these people do that in extraordinary ways because they've let the identity shift inside of them. And so Riverside, would you please thank me? Go ahead and join me thanking them for this morning. Unbelievable. Thank y'all. Yes, yes. Unbelievable. So um, here's my hope for us this morning. As we talk about this living an outward facing life, really, it starts with that identity shift that you see yourselves as a daughter, that you see yourselves as a son, that you get to, as it says in the scripture, you get to be a participant in God's kingdom. What's on God's agenda somehow shows up on your dinner plate. And what he has in store for creation is somehow entrusted to you. And so I would, this is what I'm asking this morning. I'm gonna encourage you on your way out, would you stop by one of the tables and just let your, you say yes and let God put that on the map wherever he does that. But say yes this morning. Let's take a step together as a community. Can you imagine? She said something just profound today. She said, listen, if I quit, I go back to my old life and so do they. When we say no, we just go back to this old life. When we say yes in God's hands, it does powerful, amazing things. And that's what you get to be invited into. And so this morning, I'm gonna ask you to say yes. Stop by one of the tables this morning. Engage with one of the ministries. Plenty, these are only four. I think there's like 13 or 14 out there. There's gonna, there's tons of great stuff to get plugged into, but I'm asking for you to take a step together with us this morning. But next week, just a reminder, we'll be covering week three in Romans chapter eight. We will also be welcoming our brand new worship pastor. And so really excited. Next week's gonna be a lot of fun, plus our turkey bowl. And so us old people gotta start stretching so we don't bust any hips or anything like that. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I cannot wait. So would you stand and receive this blessing as you go? And so now may you hear the words of our Father. You have been adopted, called out, set apart as sons and as daughters to call God Abba, to call him Daddy. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Love you guys. We'll see you this week.